Now, Made in SG with Melanie Olivero. Pangdemonium, the proudly founded Made in SG theatre company, is making a debut appearance on CNA 938's Life and Style. On today's Made in SG, I'm Melanie Olivero for CNA 938. They're here to tell us why they're restaging the play Falling. Uh, They last staged it in 2016 and won multiple awards for their efforts. I've been seeing so many accolades so far and there will be more. Written by American dramatist and playwright Deanna Gent, Falling introduces us to a modern four-member family. It's a modern-day four-member family unit consisting of parents Tammy and Bill, Navigating an extraordinary journey, raising two teenagers, Lisa, who is 16, and her older brother, Josh, 18, who is autistic. But one day, someone pays them a visit, and one thing leads to another, and soon things get ugly and distressing. Let's bring on Falling's director and some of the cast as well. We welcome uh, Tracy Pang, co-founder and artistic director at Pangdemonium, as well as actors Andrew Marco, who plays Josh, and Rebecca Ashley Das. She plays Lisa. Welcome to CNA 938, everybody. Hi. 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 So lovely to see everyone here. But we start with Tracy. Tracy, why is Falling being restaged? And what was the response like the last time? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a good question. We've never restaged a, a Pangdemonium show before. So this is our first time. Um to be honest, it's been our most requested for show. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people uh, um, want to see it, want to see it again, didn't get a chance to see it before. Um, the first time we did it, we were in uh, uh, a relatively small and intimate theatre. Um, so I guess the numbers that got to see it maybe weren't, um, you know, the, the the size of the audiences that, that the company is used to now. Um, and I think it's also a piece that just resonated with a lot of people. For Adrian and myself, when we're looking at what shows we're going to program, you know, this was always one that was always kind of sitting there going, should we redo it? Should we redo it? And, you know, it is very close to our hearts. It, it really is. It, it's, you know, a piece that I definitely resonates with Adrian and myself because it's about family and family struggles and, you know, what we go through, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And for this family, you know, it's harder than most. I'm sure. And when you say it's going from a smaller, more intimate venue to, uh, of course, uh, this it's of course uh, being staged in a bigger one at the Singtel Waterfront Theatre at Esplanade. So before that, it was at NLB's... Uh, no, before that, we were at... Uh, the current KC Art Centre, which is a much smaller theatre. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, although we've gone to a bigger theatre, we're now doing it in a thrust configuration, so it's okay. more intimate. So the, the audience are actually closer than what they were before. <laughs> yeah. Very, very nice. Okay, so let's get to know the playwright better. Diana Gent wrote the play Falling based on her experiences as the mother of a special needs child. So... Tracy, how did you and the team come across the play then? Um, You know, I think as we do with most of our plays, we just read a lot of plays. We're constantly reading. Adrian usually does the first cut. He reaches out, uh, looks out for stuff, and he's reading. He came across this. He passed it to me. 
Um, and yeah, it was really that. It's not a production that we had seen before or anything like that. It just lifted off the page um, and we immediately felt that it was something that we wanted to do. Okay, well, it's something that everyone sh- should see, of course. And just one more before I bring everyone out, Tracy. You said that it's very close to your heart. So how did uh, Falling uh, resonate with you and Pangdemonium co-founder and, of course, your husband, mm. Adrian Pang, as both you, you, both of you are parents. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, as, as parents, there are the, your usual day-to-day struggles that you deal with anyway, you know, and, and it, it is hard and, and nobody can, can make you understand that until you're actually living it and doing it. Um, and then I think once we read this and you kind of add on top the extra pressures of dealing with somebody who's profoundly autistic mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, all the research that we started to go into it you know it was it, it became a very emotional journey and and we discovered so much respect for the caregivers and parents of um these you know young people and and young adults who uh, are on the autism spectrum yeah so let's talk about that then because andrew there was some controversy in the usa some years back when actress maddie ziegler played an autistic teen in the movie music and it also uh, uh, starred quite a lot of uh, people, well-known people like Leslie Odom and, uh, uh, of course, uh, what's her name? Uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter is Kate Hudson. Kathy. Kate Hudson. Oh. She starred Kate. Kate Hudson as well. So that's music. And it was a few years ago. One critic called it seriously out of tune, Andrew. So you posted on Instagram that some people will have a lot to say about a neurotypical actor portraying a boy with autism. That's what you wrote. So I'm thinking, have people started expressing or DMing their concerns to you? Yeah, well, um, not yet, actually. Uh, I haven't received uh, as much uh, feedback about that as as I thought I would. Um, But definitely, I think it's it's nice that the people are more concerned about things like these. I think that's a very important thing, uh, especially in 2024. Uh, And... The last time that we did it in 2016, it was a very different social climate, yeah. and it's kind of progressed to where it is now. You know, the the woke culture and the uh, and and it's always uh, there's always good sides and bad sides to that thing. Um, but we got to focus on the good. The good is that people are concerned about things like this, like representation and authenticity. But I think the major difference for me is that in that movie musical music, um, that was a movie, it was a film kind of thing. So it's a very different setting from what we're doing, which is a, a live theater performance. Yeah. So in, in a live theater performance, you have to do the same thing every single night. Um, and the accuracy and the precision that is required for some scenes, especially when they get like a bit violent, you know, it's essentially a fight choreography that has to happen with exact precision every single night. Uh, and, and I think that... You know, if you found someone like who is at the level of autism that Josh, that the character is at, I think that would be a very difficult thing to carry out and to do safely. And, you know, with with the safety of not just the character playing, uh, the actor playing Joshua, but the other actors in the scene as well. So with all those concerns in mind, I think that the important thing is to, yeah, the, the casting was... Uh, we have to just remember that we're actors and I'm an actor as well. Mm. So we're just, you know, there is craft behind mm. these characters and these I, roles. I think it's something that, that uh, Andrew and I discussed uh, mm. before we went into it. Yeah. So when we were first discussing uh, um, the casting of it and we we did 
you know, bring this up this time around, um, you know, and I think that we have to understand, especially for theatre, that, you know, there's a lot more elements that go into play when you're casting um, a, an actor in a role than just the one element of, you know, should this person be a neurodiverse actor? Um, I think for me as a director, my feeling is, um, that if we go in that direction, then only a neurodiverse actor can play a neurodiverse role, um, you know, and that kind of goes against, you know, our whole profession as, yeah. as performers to be able to inhabit any character that comes along. Yeah. And I actually think what we should be looking at is going in the opposite direction, where you can look at a neurodiverse actor um, being able to play any role, not just a neurodiverse role. So interestingly enough, um, we have worked with a neurodiverse actor in the past in a, in, in a show, and nobody knew that he was. And that is actually the direction we should be going in rather than the other way, is, is, is my feeling. Yes, that makes complete sense. But the thing is that, Andrew, if someone does decide to DM you and they express their concerns, and perhaps even uh, they may not like the notion too much yeah. of a neurodiverse actor <clears throat> playing... Uh, someone with autism, yeah. um, you're prepared to just take it all in and, yeah, and say... Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, yeah. the, the, I, I'm totally prepared to... I mean, I, I, we have our reasons and I think um, we stand by them. I stand by these reasons, these sure. decisions. Um, so I'm not too terribly afraid or concerned about that. I mean, I, I you know, also because like the, the character that we've created is... Um, made out of respect you know we did a yeah. lot of research that you know a lot of a lot of heart and love went into this character and we did it back in 2016 and now we're doing it again so like it's you know a chance for me to revisit this character that that i've been essentially building yeah. since 2016 um so yeah i'm uh, i'm quite prepared for it yeah my <laughs> reading of, of this is that it's only love that's how yeah. i see it you yeah. see no. uh, i haven't watched the play uh, but I uh, I do know this is all about love, Rebecca. What? No, let's let's bring you into this conversation. Uh, what do you make of all we've talked about so far? Well, I mean, all of these topics are ones that are so they deserve um, the attention that they're getting, and I'm so happy that this play has come back. And I watched it the first time around, and yeah. I was actually 16 at the time, and oh. it blew my mind, and it was really. It was such an important story and I couldn't recall another play that tackled this topic as eloquently as it did with Falling and as well as uh, Tracy and Andrew's staging of it the first time around and doing it again just made so much sense to me and the fact that more and more people get to see it this time around and yes, in a different social climate, but it will bring about different discussions that also have a place um, and should be talked about and discussed and even if there is backlash, I think it's useful in its own right and yeah i'm super excited to be yeah. a part of it and and of course i'm assuming that you agree that uh, any role by any actor as long as they want to play it mm -hmm. is fair game they don't have to match what the role is about yeah i mean it's a very tricky topic and i totally accept that and i'm open to discussing it with my friends it's something that we talk about all the time oh yeah um and it is as long for me, as long as you put in the care and the necessary research into it, then I don't see how I don't think the problem is that big. And it's definitely something that we can overcome, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Andrew and Rebecca, tell us about your characters. Then I gave a very, very, uh, very basic description. 
Andrew, I understand that uh, you started watching SpongeBob SquarePants shows yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, to get back into Josh's shoes. And yeah. Tell us more about that. And then Rebecca, introduce us to Lisa, his sister. Well, honestly, I love SpongeBob. Like, like me, Andrew, as a person, I've always loved SpongeBob. It's my favorite cartoon since it has been since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and what, so it, it's part of the process for me, part of getting into that zone of just just being a, a child again and just understanding the simple joys that the, these little cartoons can bring and uh for josh so, so spongebob is my favorite cartoon it's not josh's favorite cartoon per se josh's favorite cartoon is is uh, thomas the tank engine oh. and stuff like that other children's shows sure. but it was kind of my jump my, my jump into the character the last time and I would rewatch a lot of Spongebob and I go like wow this is really amazing and then it kind of gets me into that that zone um, so that's where Joshua the character and Andrew the actor share the similarity we we love Spongebob um, but it's a jumping it's a jumping in point for me into the character mm, okay yeah. the portal of, of sorts the like. portal yeah because Josh, <laughs> Joshua I mean uh, as, a, as a boy with severe autism he uh, has a lot of cartoons that he enjoys a lot of things and, and it's a very repetitive a lot of a lot of repetition a lot of similar you know a lot of episodes that he watches over and over again um because it brings comfort it's familiar you know he can kind of predict what the what the words are going to be and that's kind of the same for me with spongebob i have like my favorite it's uh season two episode 14 okay all Band right Geeks, just saying that's my favorite <laughs> wow. spongebob episode <laughs> I can quote okay. that like back to front. <laughs> I love that right episode. Now. <laughs> no, no, no. That's how it starts. <laughs> the phone calls and Squidward picks up. Never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is Patrick in that one? Yes, of he course. is actually. I do a pretty good Patrick impression. He's here too, apparently. Yes, <laughs> yes that's right. More than more than uh, three people. But, but the thing is that Andrew um, does the play mention or hint at what. Uh, where on the spectrum Josh is? Yeah, so the play does describe Josh as being severely autistic. Um, but verbal? And non-communicative. Well, very, very slightly communicative. Okay, um, okay. No. He, he is, yeah, he is verbal. I mean, we've we've met uh, our individuals on the spectrum who are non-verbal. So he is, he is verbal, but yeah. but his uh, vocab is quite limited. Yeah. Mm. Uh, um, you know, so it's it was it's really about finding how to communicate with him and how he communicates with you. Yeah. And the thing about Joshua as a character is that it's based on Deanna Jen's actual son who is yeah. um, who has autism. And all these little references that she puts in, there is um, a, a little note in the script that says like, this, these are just guidelines, you know, for you to build your own version of Josh, your own, because like they say, when, when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. That's Everyone right. is different. Um, so Deanna Jen, as a playwright in the in the script encourages the actor to just find your own things you you can use these kind of uh, cartoons as, as guidelines but essentially build your own character so mm. that's kind of what i you know i had to do last time and this time as well all yeah. right rebecca mm-hmm. well uh so i play lisa martin who mm-hmm. is two years younger than um her brother josh and uh, with a lot of the caregivers that we met um those who had uh, multiple children very often the um, the older kids would be the the ones without autism and they would have younger siblings with autism. And so that's a very different 
um, way of upbringing for them because they got to grow up maybe and have like a year or two without having without experiencing life with a, a sibling with autism. But for Lisa, it's very different. It's a very different journey because she was born into this life. And I think throughout the play, it's very clear um, that this is not an ideal situation for her. And she tries her best to express her feelings with her parents and tries to connect with them in whatever way she can. And it's very clear that she's quite frustrated. Angry? I, yeah, I mean, she's, she's not blaming anybody, but okay. she's just angry that like she has to go through it and that these are her circumstances. And it's a, it's a very complex character and my heart does go out to her, but it's such a tricky and complicated family dynamic. And yeah. she, I think her story is, it's, it's definitely a, an angle into this story that we don't get to see or hear very much of. Mm. It's usually just about the caregivers and the actual um, child with autism, but never really about the siblings. So I think it's a very important angle. So watching her as you were 16 and performing her as you are now, mm. you must have so many different interpretations of Lisa yeah. in you. Absolutely. I think one challenge for me right now is going back to a 16-year-old brain and just getting angry because you just hate everything and you're upset and you're willing to just express that. Um, yeah, so it's been really fun, but Tracy has been amazing in directing me and I'm having a ball of the time. Andrew and Rebecca, which words or phrases in the script brought you closer to your character that really moved you too so that we know which scene to look out for? Hmm. Hmm. Well, without giving anything away... Phrase, um, word... Well, for me, it would be, it's all just so stupid, everything. Yeah. And for me, it's something that continuously connects me to my character because it's just perfect. Like, it just, it sums up where she's at and in her mind and her frustration and what she wants and that she just... Yeah, it's what always connects me back to her, mm. simply enough, yeah. It's quite mm. powerful, actually. Yeah. It's like said in defeat and it can be said in anger yeah yeah and frustration and like mm. i think that's a statement that resonates with her from the start to the end of the piece mm. yeah whether it be about her brother or her parents or her situation it's just it really resonates with her does she extend that to life though um does she see it as everything so stupid as well, in, come it, and watch and you'll okay. see. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, just, there. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away. Just come and see what she means. I think it also keeps you rooted in her age okay. as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, you know, a, a more mature character may may also kind of express themselves a little differently. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know, having that as a as a your 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 linchpin actually is it just kind of really helps kind of root her to that 16-year-old. Yeah. Exactly, because an older character might be able to communicate that verbally, you know, and be very specific about what in particular is irritating them or what uh what what they want to change, you know? Mm. But for her, it's just it's just a feeling that she feels strongly and she just needs to get it out. Okay. Like and what's the phrase again? Um, it's all just so stupid, everything. It's all just so stupid, everything. Mm. Andrew? I actually... So, I mean, uh, my character... My character's lines aren't exactly... Yeah. You know, but uh, my favourite line from the show, actually, is something that Tammy, like my mom, says. Um, she The line goes... You have to laugh, otherwise you get stuck. And it's it's a real. I mean, when I first heard it, I thought, "Wow, that's that's really profound. That's a it's a lovely way of looking at life," because when your situation is so intense and so it seems like it's just 
all darkness and everything, it's very easy to get trapped in that darkness and to just be like, oh, you know, life is, is terrible. But laughter is very powerful, I feel like. Laughing in the face of danger, laughing in the face of adversity, I think that's a very, very powerful thing. And you find your your mind always finds comedy. There will always be comedy when there is tragedy, right? So understanding that balance, you know, and allowing that balance to take place is a very important thing in any situation, not just this play, but in life in general, you know, like it's very easy to, to be a nihilist about things like, you know, so like everything is, is, is meaningless. We're all going to die, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and that, I think we've all gone through phases like that. I know I was once a, a very negative nihilist, negative nihilist, that's a term. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like uh, uh, these days I'm, I'm more of a positive absurdist. Like everything, <laughs> you might as well laugh at everything because yeah. everything is just, it's sometimes so bleak. So mm -hmm. you might as well just laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think uh, Ricky Gervais said, we're only, well, the, the comedian actor said, yeah. mm. we're only going to be here once and there's there's no sequel. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. So make light of what you can. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, there of course there are light-hearted moments in falling. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there yeah. are. We, we you know, I, I think it's actually, it's quite important, um, yeah. uh, you know, and it's something that I try to look for in most productions, no matter how dark they are. Yeah. Um, because I, I kind of do believe that, that, you know, the light enables you to see the dark, you know, and and you can't have one without the other, um, you know. So, so and it, it helps us, and I certainly with this production, it, it, it helps you get through the day, mm -hmm. you know, and that's really important for, for the caregivers in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Tracy, can you tell us what it's like working? Okay, so you mentioned caregivers. Tell us what is working with new cast members fronting this restaging of Falling. Because the last time Tan King Hua and, of course, Adrian, Adrian Pang, played the parents. So playing the mother is Karen Tan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in the, I saw her last year in a play where she played the long-suffering mum of a girl who had mental issues, mental yes. health issues. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she's not new to a role like this. No, sure. no. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've known Karen for a very long time, um, you know, and it it has been a joy to welcome her into this family, actually, and be a part of this family. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's inevitable that when you're recasting, any actor will bring a new version of the character to life. Um, and that's been very important you know, I think for this show to kind of give it new life, um, you know, make us kind of see the characters afresh, see, you know, if there's things that, that we want to change or, you know, points of views that, that, you know, they feel like their version of the character, you know, wants to push forward. Um, so it's been quite interesting because, you know, obviously working with Andrew, we've done it before. So, you know, there are certain elements of exploration which we have not necessarily needed to go into this time because we've done it last time. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, but whereas with the other actors, we're actually developing for the first time. So that, that's kind of, I suppose, shortened our process a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, but it also means that, that for certainly for Andrew, he has to react to what the other actors give him. It's right. ne you never, you're never performing in your own little silo. You're, you know, cause, cause acting is really responding to each other. So if somebody gives you you know, or even though the lines are the same, they give you the delivery in a different way. You're going to respond differently to it. So, um, you know, that, that, you know, makes 
for a more, you know, exciting and interesting process for me rather than, you know, let's just do a carbon copy of what we did before and, you know, put it on. It's that that would be perhaps a little lazy, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's just this is just more fun and interesting and artistic for venture for all of us. So you mentioned the pros that it comes with restaging this uh, this production falling. I guess one of the pros as well would be, do you have to reuse sets even though it's at another venue? Um, no, we've completely redesigned the set. Redesigned it, yeah. okay. So it's, it's completely new. Um, and because we've gone into a new venue and it's now um, in the thrust, so which yeah. means that we've got audiences on three sides. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we had to come, had to to relook at it. Um, you know, it's still looking at a family in Singapore and their living situation. Um, it's just reimagining it. Yeah. All right. Now, this is for everyone. What has falling taught you about how families live within? autistic member or someone who is on the neurodiverse spectrum on a daily basis, let's say, for example, from safe words to daily rituals to calm rooms or calm corners. And of course, for many families, the unconditional love that comes with all of this. I'll start with Rebecca. Oh, okay. Um, Well... I mean, as you've mentioned as well, love is such a big aspect to this story. And it just really shows me how people are just so complex. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting story. And it just reminds me of, you know, my own family about how we love each other so much. But there are moments where you don't really like each other all the time. (laughs) But what's amazing is that you always come back together because you love each other so much and you want to make it work and you will do whatever it takes to repair those bonds or to make everyone feel the love that you feel inside of you. Mm. And yeah, it's just a reminder that family is family. It's complicated, but it's the best thing on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Andrew? Yeah. I mean, very similar to what what Becky just said. Uh, For me, it's always been about it's always been about kindness and love and empathy. I think those are very important things um, that we've learned from all these caregivers and all these families that we've seen over the years. Um, because they're, oh, it's like when you talk about endless compassion, endless kindness, endless patience, these guys really have it. You know, and it's it's it can be very difficult for them um, from day to day, you know, having to, to deal with their situation. And it's it's... It's tough, like listening to a lot of their stories sometimes. I just I just sit there going like wow, like how do you how do you do this? You know, I would be so tired. Mm. But then you you realize that the human spirit is so powerful, it's so strong. You can really be stretched to the very limit and you can still go on. Yeah. Like there is no, you know, if you can run a marathon, you know, you can do anything. If you can be kind and patient all the time you can do anything it's it's a real superhuman ability and i think everyone has the ability to be superhuman because all these families that uh that have to deal with autism they didn't choose to deal with it they, they didn't choose that the, their life but they've been put in that situation and they're making the best of it and yeah. they're surviving and like jurassic park says life uh, finds a way. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> always a good time to quote Jurassic yeah, Park. Exactly, yeah. always. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, um, the kind of overriding 
takeaway that I get from the work that we've done and working with um, the parents and caregivers that we've seen um, is the immense amount of patience that they have. Um, you know, it it's it's quite quite stunning seeing them uh, either in their environment or when they come to talk to us and talk to us about you know their what they've had to 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 take care of and deal with and on a daily basis. And yeah. I'm like, they're so zen and calm and patient. And you know, I was like. I, you know, as a parent, I'm, I, I'm in awe of that because patience is the hardest thing to have when you have kids, mm. let alone having a child with autism. Um, and I think that, that that journey has probably taught them that and it's taught them different ways of managing their, either their expectations, their, their, their dreams and hopes. You know, there's this just kind of patience about them and 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 grace yeah. with the way that they are handling things um and and you know they're real superheroes they yeah. really really are exactly i completely agree so which brings which brings me to this question how is falling also or it doesn't have to be falling how has falling uh, also uh, combined with other things we've witnessed in our lives opened your eyes to parents of autistic teens or grown-ups because they do have to grow up. We see these family units sometimes when we go out. And I guess one of the things we shouldn't do is stare and point or nudge each other when a teen or a child who, who does look that they're on the spectrum starts to express him or herself rather loudly, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we obviously we're not professionals uh, yeah. um, in this and, and, you know, the majority of the general public aren't either. Yeah. But I think it's actually having uh, um, a sense of empathy and understanding. Um, I, I think, you know, when we were looking at the show eight years ago, there was definitely, you know, a lot of the parents would say, you know, when they were in the mall or something like that, they would get you know, complaints or stares or, you know, mm. people would, would judge them as bad parents. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a journey. I think people are being educated um, and it's important to continue that because what uh, these parents need is not our judgment, um, but but, you know, either offering assistance to the parent. Uh, do you need anything? Can I get you some water? Um, I think you're doing a great job. Saying something like that goes a long way to making them feel a bit better. Yeah. You know, um, we don't actually necessarily have to step in, but we also don't have to judge either. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Now... We're going to go to the news very, very soon. In one sentence, why should we watch or for some rewatch falling? Tracy. Oh my God. Uh, in one <laughs> sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you, I think it will change your understanding of what it means to be a part of community. Okay. Yeah. Andrew. Oh, oh, we're all getting sentence. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I think it's important to watch because um, it reminds you that at the end of the day it's really all about hope oh my god that's love it right it, it is such a it is you know yeah. <laughs> um i think for me us doing it it's a story that is extremely worth telling and it's also a story worth listening to and it deserves attention and it's people being people and i think that's always interesting and there's always something you can learn from that 
Thank you, everyone, for, for being with me and telling us your story. And Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. My definite pleasure. Support local theatre, everyone, and get your tickets to Falling Stage by Pangdemonium. I'd like to thank Tracy Pang, Falling's director and also co-founder and artistic director at Pangdemonium. And actors Andrew Marco and Rebecca Ashley Duss as Lisa. Uh, remember that Andrew also plays... Josh. Okay, so Josh and Lisa. Falling will be staged at the Singtel Waterfront Theatre at Esplanade from 8th till 24th of March. Visit pangdemonium.com, P-A-N-G-D-E-M-O-N-I-U-M, Pangdemonium, or their social media sites for more. This has been Made in SG, and I'm Melanie Olivero for CNA 938. 